in a land far away, there stood a kingdom ruled by a mighty king. In that kingdom, there lived a boy who spent his days in the field watching over his father's sheep. The young boy was very brave, very strong. And as he grew, he would do many exciting and fantastic things, the stuff of legends. While he was young, the boy was invited by the king to the palace to play music in the court. He played so beautifully that it calmed the king's heart whenever he was worried and afraid. But one day, the kingdom was plunged into a terrifying and fierce battle. And in the moment of their greatest need, the young boy, filled with faith and with courage, stepped forward, defeating the enemy and winning the day for the king and his kingdom. The king, impressed by the young boy's bravery, invited him to be the king's very own armor bearer and serve him in the palace. Over time, the young boy grew into a mighty warrior and fought many battles, winning them for his king and the kingdom. He even married the king's daughter, and the king's own son became the boy's closest and dearest friend. But over time, the king's heart was clouded. And as the boy's name grew famous, the king's heart grew cold with jealousy, and he began to plot to kill his young armor bearer. Fearing for his life, the young man fled the palace, but overcome by jealousy, the king chased after him, hunting him down throughout the kingdom for many, many years. But God protected the boy. And as he grew famous in popularity and in strength, eventually the king died in battle. And the young man, now a mighty warrior, was chosen to be king. But the story doesn't end there. In fact, the story of David, which is the story that we just talked about, continues on in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I love the story of David's life because I think it mirrors and echoes a lot of our lives as we take a look at what God is doing in us and through us. I especially love the next part of this story that you can find in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I'd love for us to read it together and have a discussion about what maybe the Bible has to say about our lives here and now. So let's take a look at what 2 Samuel chapter 9 says. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive, anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba, who had been one of Saul's servants. Are you Ziba, the king asked? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba said. The king then asked him, is there anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he, the king asked. In Lodabar, Ziba told him, at the home of Machir, son 
of Amiel. So David sent for him and brought him from Machir's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the truth that exists in your word. I pray, God, that it would now illuminate the areas of our hearts that you want to do work in. I pray that you would reveal your love and compassion towards us, God, and that as your Holy Spirit works in our hearts today, I pray that we would not leave here the same. Open our eyes, open our ears to receive from you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and for his glory. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for being here. My name is Mac. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're joining us online, thanks so much for being with us today. We're so glad that you're here. Before we move on in our conversation, I want to give us a little bit of context. I think context is pretty important. (laughs) But as we read this story, what a lot of people don't understand is it would actually have been very appropriately, appropriate culturally for David actually to seek out Jonathan's son or Saul's grandson, not to bless him, but actually to hunt him down and kill him, or at least put him into prison, because it would have been very customary. In fact, it would have been expected for the the new king to eliminate all of the threats to his authority, all of the threats to his claim to the throne once he took power. And David could have asked a very different question than what he asked in the story. And that is, is there any one of Saul's line? Is there any descendant of Saul that might be alive today because we have to hunt them down and we have to kill them? Or we have to hunt them down and at least put them into prison so that they won't threaten my claim to the throne? But David asks a very, very different question that I believe reflects the heart of God. That as we walk through this story, I think that it can actually parallel or mirror a little bit of our story as well. So Mephibosheth, which is a pretty complicated name to say. Can you say it? Mephibosheth. It's hard to take people seriously when that's their name. Mephibosheth. But it's a wonderful story. And Mephibosheth, here's the, here's the reality. Mephibosheth was a marked man. He was a marked man. His grandfather was all sorts of crazy. And he had hunted David down for many years throughout the kingdom, even though David had won many battles for the kingdom. And so Mephibosheth is waiting in this, in this town called Lodabar, which we'll talk about here in a second, waiting for that knock on the door and for the prison guards to bust through and to take him off in chains. He fully expected it. I'm sure he fully expected it. But his life was about to change, but not in the way that he thought. You see, David was, was looking for Mephibosheth, but not to, not to put him in chains and not to kill him, but actually to bless him. And what's interesting is there was nothing that Mephibosheth could have done to deserve anything that David was about to do. 
You see, Mephibosheth was crippled in both feet. Not only was his grandfather crazy, but he was crippled in both feet. And so even in those days, he would have been pushed off into the margins of society. Nobody, nobody would have cared about him. Nobody would have thought about him. He would have been a castaway, a cast aside. Nothing about Mephibosheth's life would have resulted in what was about to happen to him. And I think a lot of us, are just on the other side of receiving blessing from God, and there's nothing that any of us can do to deserve any of it. Just like Mephibosheth, there's, there's something that's keeping us in our own type of Lodabar. There's something keeping us in the place that we're at, hiding out, hoping, out that, hoping that nobody is going to find out just how broken we really are. And just like Mephibosheth, just on the other side of that blessing, there's nothing that we can do to deserve anything that God wants to do in our own lives. You see, just like Mephibosheth, we can't earn it. So before we go on this conversation, before we talk about what God wants to do in our life, I want us to come to a, a very deep understanding that there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he already does. Amen. There's nothing you can do to earn the blessings that God wants to lavish on your life. There's nothing that you can do to earn them. So why do we spend so much energy trying? Why do we find so much identity in the things that we produce, in the things that we do, only to find out that we're just nothing but broken people hiding out in Lodabar. You see, there's nothing that we can do to earn it, just like there's nothing that Mephibosheth could do to deserve it, to earn it. There's nothing that he could do to accomplish it. He was hiding out. He was immersed in the reality of being a marked man, crippled and disgraced. That's, what he, that's who he was. That's what he was. But a lot of times we're in that same place. We're crippled by our own past, by our own mistakes, by our own fears, by what's happened to us in life, by what other people have defined us. We have allowed what, what other people think of us to define who we are. And it paralyzes us and it keeps us in a place like Lodabar. But David didn't do what he did for Mephibosheth because Mephibosheth earned it. He did it because of what Jonathan earned, because of what Jonathan did. You see, all of us, each one of us, myself included, is stuck. We're stuck in our own circumstances, oftentimes by our own sin, our own rebellion against God, our own desire to push back against what he wants for our lives. And in our own rebellion, we broke the relationship that we had with God. And so when, when we look at ourselves, there's nothing we can do to fix that relationship. There's no amount of goodness that we can have. There's no amount of effort that we can exert to fix the relationship of us rebelling against God. But Jesus came and lived a life that we could never live to give us a life that we could never have. You see, it's because of who Jesus was and because of what Jesus did that God 
can actually reach into our Lodabar experience and change our lives. And that's the story I want to talk about today. Romans chapter 5, verse 15 says this. This is, what the, this is what the Apostle Paul tells us. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many people. But even greater, even greater, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 18, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, and here's the key, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. You see, that's us. We're just like Mephibosheth. There's nothing that we can do to fix the broken relationship. There's nothing that we can do to fix our own brokenness and our, our dire circumstances. There's nothing that we can do because we're crippled and we're paralyzed by our own fear, by our own past, by what other people define us. There's nothing that we can do to fix the sin that's in our life. There's nothing that we can do. But the reality is that God loves you so desperately. He loves you in spite of the things that, that are broken about you. He loves you in spite of where you're at. God loves you so desperately. And even though there's nothing you can do to leave the situation that you are in, God makes the first move towards you. You might be sitting here saying, I can't get out of this place that I'm in. I'm stuck in my brokenness. I'm stuck in my bitterness. I'm stuck in my anger. I'm stuck in my addiction. I'm stuck in my sin. I'm stuck in my broken relationships. I'm stuck and I can't get out. He knows. And just like David sent his messengers into Lodabar, God has come to get you out of your own circumstance. You didn't have to make the first move. You couldn't even if you wanted to. But God loves you. And God came to get you. He came to rescue you. Jesus relentlessly pursues you. No matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself in life, no matter what you've come from or what's happened to you, Jesus relentlessly pursues you. No matter how many times people have tossed you aside, no matter how many times you've thought of yourself as less than, as garbage, as if nobody cares about you, Jesus relentlessly is pursuing you. And he will go to the greatest extent of the earth, even to Lodabar. What people don't understand, Lodabar in the Hebrew means place of no mention. And a lot of us are in our brokenness, crippled in both feet, sitting in a place of no mention, hiding out, hoping people won't find the brokenness in our lives, hoping that people won't find the disgusting parts of our life that, that, we, have, that we have found in ourselves. And we're stuck in this place of no mention, hiding out, hoping that nobody will realize just how broken we are. And God still in the midst of your Lodabar, relentlessly pursues you. Because if he finds you, he knows he's got something better for you at the table of the king. Woo! Woo! 
And yet we hide in Lodabar. We think that we can hide those things from God. Why? Because so much of our worth is wrapped up in what we lack or what is wrong with us. We have allowed the world, we have allowed ourselves to define us by the brokenness in our life, by the things that we lack, by the things that other people wanna cancel, other people find disgusting and worthless, all of those things. That's how we define ourselves. But God is relentlessly pursuing us. Jesus tells us in Luke 19, verse 10, this is what he says. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. We might be here today languishing in our own place of no mention, our own Lodabar, hiding out, hoping that nobody will discover just how truly broken we are. But Jesus came to pursue you, to save you, because you couldn't get out of there yourself even if you tried. You see, many people think that what Jesus did on the cross includes them because they're wrapped up in the totality of the world, right? This is what we say as believers in Jesus. Jesus died to save the world from sin. And because we're a part of the world, Jesus died to save us, right? We're kind of caught up in the consequence of Jesus's wonderful sacrifice. But you need to understand that while Jesus died to save the world, he saved all creation, Jesus died to save you. Jesus relentlessly pursues you. He intimately and intricately crafted you as a master craftsman who loves you and pursues you because he wants you. You see, there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. And he's, rec he's recklessly and relentlessly pursuing you because he wants you. In spite of the brokenness, in spite of the all of the things that keep us in the Lodabar of our lives, in spite of all of that, Jesus wants you. He doesn't disown you. He doesn't cast you aside. He pursues you because he wants you. He wants you. But I've been divorced. He knows. He still wants you. But I have all of these addictions that I haven't been able to shake. He knows. He wants you. But I make all of these mistakes in my life. My life is an absolute wreck. It's in shambles around me. I can't do anything right. He still wants you. He's still pursuing you. But you don't know what I've done. No, I don't, but he does. And you know what? In spite of that, he still wants you. You don't know how I feel about myself. No, but he does, and he still wants you. God is relentlessly 
pursuing you. Not because he has to, but because he wants to. He wants to be with you. A lot of us have this warped understanding of who God is. We think that God is up in heaven waiting for us to make the smallest mistake so he can reach down and crush us and remind us just how pitiful and broken and awful we are. But that's not what God wants for us. Vivisheth was hiding out for his life, waiting for the knock on the door, waiting for the prison guards to come in and snatch him, snatch him away in chains. He was waiting for it. Just like a lot of us are waiting for that moment that we screw up, that we mess up, or maybe God's just gonna find out just how absolutely screwed up we absolutely are and he's gonna crush us because because that's what we deserve. And we're hiding out in our Lodabar in the midst of our brokenness, thinking that God wants to break us, thinking that God wants to punish us, when in reality, God's not pursuing you to break you. He's not pursuing you to crush you. He's pursuing you to bless you. He's looking for ways, for opportunities to demonstrate his love for you. But most of us walk through our lives thinking that God is only looking for ways to crush us looking for ways to judge us. Why? Because that's what we do to ourselves. That's what the world does to us. But God is not like the world. God is a loving father who is looking for every opportunity to relentlessly and recklessly lavish his love on every single one of us, regardless of how crippled and broken we are. That's the beauty of who God is. But we allow that stuff to keep us in Lodabar, and we continue to hide out because we think that he hates us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, this is what the Bible tells us. Check this out. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. See how very much God loves you. He calls you his child because that is what you are. He's not looking to crush you. He's looking to restore everything that life has stolen from you. You might be here today thinking, I can't, you don't understand, I can't, I can't get out of it. It's just who I am. I don't have the money to improve my circumstance. I don't have, I don't have the education. I, I don't have the standing in life. I don't have the opportunity. It's just who I am. I can't stop the addiction. I can't stop all of these things. It's just who I am. Here's the thing. God has spent the entirety of human history redefining who people are. We're stuck in a place of no mention, hiding the brokenness that we have. And God wants to bring us to the table. You see, when we read this story, a lot of people overlook one very important thing. Mephibosheth was never, ever, ever going to experience the reality of all of the lands of Saul being restored back to him. That's actually a part of the story. David says, I'm going to bless you. 
I'm gonna show God's blessing to you by giving you back all of the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. But here's the thing, Mephibosheth wasn't going to experience that, why? Because Mephibosheth wasn't going to live on the land, he wasn't going to go to farm that land, he wasn't going to be the landowner. What Mephibosheth was going to experience is that he was going to be seated at the table of the king and be one of his sons. You see, God just doesn't want to bless you. God doesn't want to just give you back what life stole from you. He wants you to be seated at his table as one of his children. The beauty about the ministry of Jesus Christ, when you read the Gospels, is every time Jesus did a miracle in somebody's life, if you don't believe me, go back and read the Gospels. Every time he did a miracle in somebody else's life, he restored them back into community. He gave them an identity again. It's amazing to me that even when we read the Gospels, we see something that the world does to each one of us. We see that the people who have broken things in their life are defined by the broken things of their life. Have you ever noticed that? The woman with the issue of blood? Do you know her name? The paralytic? The demon-possessed man? No, because that's what the world does. It defines us by what we don't have. It defines us by what we can't do. It defines us by our brokenness. But what Jesus does is he comes and he, he intersects with the chaos of our broken moments and then he redefines us by bringing us back into community. Every single one of these people, the woman with the issue of blood, the paralytic, the man who was demon-possessed, they were on the outskirts of community. They were, they were thrown out. They were cast away. They were cast aside. They were the forgotten people. And every single one of them, once they met Jesus and he healed them, he didn't just heal their infirmity. He didn't just heal their sickness. What he actually did was restored them back into the family. A lot of us are languishing in our own Lodabar, crippled by our own fears, by our own past, by our own mistakes, all of that. And the worst part isn't the brokenness. The worst part is the separation. We're alone, hiding out defining ourselves by our own brokenness. And Jesus wants to come into the middle of your Lodabar and pick you up and bring you to the table because you can't get out of there on your own. But you don't understand what I've been through, Mac. You don't know what's happened to me. I didn't ask for this. I mean, think about what Mephibosheth was, was thinking. He, was in, he grew up in the palace. He was born in the palace. He was born for royalty. He was born for greatness. And then something happened in his life, and he found himself hiding out for his life in the cast outs, in the, in the margins of society. How did he get there? What happened to him? It's very similar to all of us. We find ourselves in the situations and the circumstances of our own life, crippled and broken, not being able to leave our Lodabar because we're so broken by the things that have happened in our lives. And we didn't ask for it. You didn't ask to be molested. You didn't ask to be abused. You didn't ask to be beaten. You didn't ask to experience the things that haunt your dreams, that drive you to the addiction that controls your life, where you're walking around life with a chain 
and you can't get out of it, and you're broken, and you, and you didn't ask for it. It's the same thing that Mephibosheth experienced in his life. You see, there's another part to the story. There's another part to his journey that found him in the wounded and broken place that, that David found him in. We find it actually in 2 Samuel chapter 4. Saul's son Jonathan, this is what it says, had a son named Mephibosheth who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came to Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. Check this out. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled, but as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became crippled in both feet. You see, many of us today are stuck in our Lodabar and crippled by the brokenness of our life because we're addicted. We're crippled in our life because we can't get past the self-harm because of all the pain and the hurt that we've experienced in our life because we were dropped. We didn't ask for it. We didn't ask to be addicted. We didn't ask to be molested. We didn't ask to be beaten. We didn't ask for any of this. And somehow we find ourselves in a situation where we're broken on our knees and we're crying out to God saying, why did this happen to me? What did I do? Why do you hate me? I was dropped. It wasn't my fault. And now like Mephibosheth, I suffer the consequences from somebody else's carelessness and I cannot, I cannot, I cannot get out. What do I do? And we're stuck because we're broken. But God wants to reach out and into your brokenness. And even though you've been dropped by everyone else in your life, he will pick you up and he will never let go because he relentlessly pursues us, because he recklessly loves us beyond our brokenness. The beautiful part about the story of Mephibosheth, and we mentioned it before, but I wanna give us an image of what this looks like. You see, when Mephibosheth was picked up and carried into the palace, he was going to spend the rest of his life as one of the sons of the king. But here's the beauty of the moment. When Mephibosheth sat at the table of the king, no one could tell he was crippled in both feet. You see, they didn't have high tables like this. They were all laying down at the table And so Mephibosheth wasn't defined any longer by his inability, by what was wrong with him. He was defined by the owner of the table at which he sat. He was now one of the king's family. 
He wasn't the broken boy in Lodabar, the son of a crazy king. Mephibosheth was one of the king's kids now. You don't understand, Mac. I wasn't dropped. I ran headlong into my own self-destructive behavior. The beauty and the power behind the love of Jesus Christ is that he's great enough to find you in your Lodabar and to sit you at the same table as everyone else. The truth of the matter is this. It doesn't really matter the journey you went on to get to the cross as long as you get there. Because it's at the cross that Jesus can redefine you, give you a new identity, and seat you at the table of the king. See how very much God loves you. He calls you his child. It's not random. It's not lip service. It's because that is who you are. You're his. He relentlessly pursued you. And in his love, he wanted you. Beyond the brokenness, beyond the pain, beyond the bitterness and the anger and the addiction. He wanted you. And he wants to pick you up in your place of no mention, in your place of no identity, and make you a king. that is who you are. So if you're here today and you find yourself stuck in your own Lodabar, crippled by your own past, hiding out, hoping that nobody will see your own brokenness, God has sent me to tell you that he wants you And he's relentlessly pursuing you so that he can rescue you from your hopelessness, from your brokenness, and give you a seat at his table because he wants you. He wants you. Just the way you are. Mephibosheth didn't have to prove himself to David. You don't have to get better for God to love you. He already does. And it's his love for you that is complete enough and strong enough, compassionate enough to seat you at the table regardless of your brokenness. So if you're here today and you're tired of living in your Lodabar, You've tried to get out, but you can't move. Would you allow God to pick you up today? 
you would like to do that. And I would like to invite you to pray with me so that you can start a new part of your story and you can be welcomed home at the table of the king. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious heavenly father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that even though we couldn't ever earn it, you relentlessly pursue us because you want us. I thank you, God, that you see past our brokenness and find the beauty of what you have created. Lord, I pray that today you would reach past people's brokenness and give them healing. All of the pain and the bitterness, all of the self-harm, all of the addiction, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that your hand would heal the hurt and the brokenness of those that are suffering because they were dropped. I pray that you would restore to them all that life has stolen from them. And Father, for those of us that maybe we're marching headlong into our own self-destructive behavior, God, I pray that you would have mercy on us and that your great love and compassion would see us in our own brokenness, heal our own hurt, and restore everything that life has stolen from us. Begin a new story today in their heart as they allow you to pick them up out of their own Lodabar and seat them at your table. In Jesus' name, amen.